<laughs> hey guys, welcome to the Corner Spatey. I'm Nick, joined by Yulia. I'm going to name you first this time. Oh, wow, because thanks. last time I named you last. Also, it's an episode on women's. It's also an episode on women's <laughs> stuff. So uh, we got to show that we have we have a woman here. <laughs> Hello, very important. Me. The token, <laughs> and and that she wasn't here last time. And uh, Kieran and Rob. I'm the so, token Irish. Yeah, token <laughs> Irishman. There and, always has to be a token Irish. Rob. We're not. We're going back to 1910s racism. Uh, I'm not white anymore. Hell yeah! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Breaking news: Kieran is actually going to start working in a prison for car sale clothing. <laughs> I'm very excited. It's a big move up in my life, and I'm looking forward to a uh, a future of being trained as a masseuse. <laughs> Car- Carcel is very excited that the Irish are no longer white. That's a huge new business opportunity. Exactly. Dude, <laughs> you and I can get paid nothing now. And that's really cool. Carcel has realized the reality of um, the European situation where all Irish, Greeks, some Slavs, and Southern Italians are literally de- evolved from mud. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we're very lucky to be involved in the most sophisticated work that our tiny sloped brains can handle, which is, <laughs> which is assembling garments. I don't think I can even do that. For the ethnically superior Danes. <laughs> well, the Northerns. Yeah, I just, like... Um, I, I know we're going to get into it, but you know, the car sale clothing, it has the name of who made it on it. And they're like, look at these exotic Irish names. I always wanted a name <laughs> like Kieran. It's so beautiful. Yeah, no, they're all going to mispronounce it. Like, look at this one from Siron or Cillian or Niam. They don't know how to deal with the accent. So they're like, Kieran. I still don't know how to deal with your name. Fucks me up. Fucking too much culture for me. M-H is a V sound. Or a W sound, depending on what vowels surround it. Wait, what is it? MH. MH is a... V or W sound. That makes absolutely no sense. It makes plenty of sense. That is way too ethnic for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I say that and my name is spelled with M's and P's to make B's. Next bonus episode is going to be me explaining Irish orthography. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, We're we're looking forward to (laughs) it. Keep talking dirty to me, man. (laughs) So if you haven't... uh, Assume by now we are. Uh, we were talking about what is it? Carcel. They, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Have you heard about it? They blew up on Twitter. What? So we're recording last a, week, a early think, yeah. last week, maybe two weeks ago, uh, for good reason. But they've been around a lot longer. Like that was the first thing that surprised me. Yeah. Maybe because I assumed a Twitter is a perfect engine for delivering me news. You know exactly what I need when oh, I need. Why we have turned off all oh, other news, news sources. Well, it's almost like it's almost like the news isn't telling you the news anymore. Anymore, and Twitter is actually the one telling you the news. Oh, yeah. I get my news delivered to me in an old-fashioned way by tiny birds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we're World War One. We're on the front, and the carrier pigeons are the only way that we can get <laughs> get information back. All right. Yeah, but they've been around for a, a couple years I think now, five or six and, years, and they've been going hard. And somehow, I I even wonder if it was like done on purpose somehow, because. I don't want to get too far ahead, but it blew up. They, they pushed some advertising too far and then it got in people's circles and they're like, they're talking about using literal slave labor and not just like, oh, we're using slave labor. We have to be like hidden about it. Like, yeah, it's cheaper. Like, Yo, what's up? That's their whole brand. We're very <laughs> yeah. open about that. But it, it, it is, it is like the kind of big dicked move of 
yeah, we use slavery, but actually it's good yeah. and correct. And well, everyone else, they're just yeah. terrible. Yuli and I listened to the, what are the two women's in Veronica and Dinesh D'Souza? Uh, well, we, we, have to, <laughs> we have to give just Wait. a really quick yeah. overview of what it is. Yeah, Who okay, wants to do, do that. All right, me, cool. <laughs> yeah, you know the most about this, so, so you brought this to our attention. Again, it just, it's two women, um, but one in particular, like, she she says in interviews and stuff that she would like visited she was working in kenya and she decided to visit a prison and she's like yeah there's all these women in prison knitting but they don't have a market to sell their things and so she came up with this idea that's what people in prison are, the, are so concerned <laughs> their biggest about. problem yeah they and she came up came up with this idea or to, to start this company where you would make um high-end clothing and produce it with slave labor. Again, not so unique. A lot of fashion does this. We're going to get into it. Mm. But Carcel had to add that little new Carcel touch. First of all, they call it <laughs> fucking Carcel. Um, but uh, then they decided that the whole pitch, the whole idea would be made by women in prison. So turning Four this like, women. weaponized women wokeness <laughs> into that's their whole brand. So if you go to their Twitter, which we really encourage you to do just... Like every the, the picture stumbling on themselves right now. They just, but it's like they like it. Maybe it's like, probably like even back every publicity. Nah, what is that yeah, saying? All you know, oh, exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Wow, like there yeah. are photos of <laughs> them. <true>. There's photos <laughs> no. of them like in the prison, like meeting our team and like working wow. with. Them. It's absurd. It's absurd. It, right it honestly boggles <laughs> the mind. It feels like a <laughs> weird, bizarro. I don't know. It's like, do they have meetings in the morning with them and shit like that? It, it, it yeah, like the daily stand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a really short briefing on our today's. Uh, <laughs> oh, here's your here's your uh, your capo for the day. Who's gonna yeah. oversee you? Yeah, one yet I can't stand up today because she got fucking <laughs> shanked. Last night. I was gonna, I was gonna say the word stand up is a little bit of a misnomer because they have to stand constantly. They're not allowed to sit oh, at all. Geez. Wait, what? No, oh, no, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, the pictures I saw, they were clearly sitting, like, the thing they're that... They're clearly standing. Yeah, they're, 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 they're clearly sitting. But then another, another thing, too, that... I, I don't know if I'm if I'm jumping the gun, but I guess um, Yulia and I listened to an interview that these, uh, uh, that the that the two owners of the company did, and it, they, they just didn't get it, I don't think. They just didn't get why people... Like, this, I guess, is before the controversy, obviously, but they thought that everything that they were doing was in like the best interests of... Very much that, that, that very traditional capitalist logic of what, what's good for the employer is then also good for the employee and vice versa. So it's like, you know, you're, you're a voluntary exchange of labor and stuff, which, of course, this isn't voluntary because it's a fucking prison. So it, it, very, it very much came from this, like, quote-unquote, like, woke neoliberal idea of empowerment yeah i think it's kind of like um as long as you are included in capitalism it's good you know i mean we've seen that in like female work for example trying yeah. to commodify um labor like female labor and this is the same like trying to commodify prison labor yeah. and like simply just the, the, the focus on on women's labor being like women being more present in the workplace was always kind of a trope that the left had too to be fair like that is always something that then is, is pointed out in in how many women worked in, in in eastern europe in comparison to then you know working conditions for, for, for women now this that that and the other like it is 
boiled down, I think, far too simply also by the left. Like, we have to maybe be a little bit critical on that as well. Yes. But when it comes this to domestic al- labor, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But this is obviously a much different situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think we have to, like, before we get bombarded with that thing of, like, oh, isn't it good to see women working? It's like, well, yeah, but this is not the same. It, it's almost as if the, like hierarchy of issues of how you tackle this is backwards yeah so like for the neoliberal is like they approach it from the perspective of women are working first rather than arguably maybe the leftist perspective is prisoners are being forced to work exactly. yeah and now there's no women, choice <laughs> yeah it's also women yeah. rather than because i just wanted to i just wanted to clarify that because i know that that's a that is easily a trope that the left can get pushed into it's like but you know they're working they're not you know like yeah but, but it's no choice yeah it's of not, course like, yeah there has to be a, actually uh, enters the work yeah, market exactly. like, yeah but like it, you're right there has only been a history like i think the only like example that you could say like a right wing push for women to work was like the labor shortage that happened during World War II America. Yeah, and like women, have and to then work they kicked them out of the labor yeah, force. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. Yeah, and that's that's the thing I find always always hilarious with with you know this little tidbit that conservatives always brag about how good the U.S. economy was during World War II, and it was the most Soviet that the U.S. economy had ever been in its history and will ever probably be unless we can like change that with just straight up planning the economy or just World War Three or World War Three. Yeah. So if you guys want socialism in the United States, just create another assassinate uh, Austrian Duke <laughs> that was World War One, but okay yeah like it, 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 world war is a world war yeah but like so, yeah. yeah I kind of find it interesting what Kassel 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 <laughs> um, Carcel <laughs> if it's meant to be it's, it's a Spanish word is it it's a Spanish uh, word but yeah. I think even the New York Cassel. Times points out that they pronounce it differently Cassel. like Carcel it would be Kassel yeah, yeah yeah whatever um, what they do here is kind of like bringing a twist to prison labor because normally prison labor is something sexy. yeah make it sexy yeah make it fashionable because kind of uh, it's normally it's something where prison pr- prison labor is something that is more like done behind uh, like behind stage curtain behind exactly yeah behind closed doors exactly nobody actually like writes it on their flag or like on their brand or actually name their brand after it um they yeah you know that it happens but it's maybe a call center or something like um i don't know like sticking uh, suing little things on little things i don't know um you're talking about sewing little tags on uh, yeah exactly yeah. stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. yeah yeah like minor stuff and and it's not branded and yeah. what gazelle does here they actually branded yeah so yeah. well you were talking about earlier too about i think the one that, the one thing that we all typically associate with prison labor particularly in the united states and we're just kind of okay with it is like the, the manufacturing of of license plates mm. and you see that in cartoons all the time just being like Oh, in prison, just making license plates, which I don't know how true that is anymore. I would assume that it is, like, a thing still. Yeah, because I, I just actually, like, I've never heard of a commercial yeah. license plate factory, like, or, like, or, obviously... It's well, the mar- you know, if, if if license plates were made by the market, imagine how many, uh, the, the, the selection of license plates <laughs> you would have. You'd have way better options for the back, like, different colors. You could pick your state, like, I'm in a... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I would. I would always pick Idaho, so I could use the Idaho choke on everything. No, you're not. You're not going far enough. I'd be like um, uh, Monrovia. No, super solid. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not no. even like geographical locations. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. High as balls. Yeah. So <laughs> I think there's really two threads that Carcel just 
beautifully ties together here. If it if it's not clear, Carcel is using prison labor in Peru in Thailand, and then they're selling it back in Denmark. But the the, the two threads that we're dealing with here are prison labor and also sweatshop or neocolonialism in general. So let's start first with prison labor. Mm -hmm. um, when I think of that, I think it's been a topic in the U.S. news recently because um, there's always news about the wildfires in California and the firefighters who uh, or the people who put out the fires are overwhelmingly um, prison workers who are barely paid anything. I mean, forget doing about doing stuff that requires a high yeah, exactly. skill level skill At and very training, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my best yeah. friend in the U.S. is a firefighter and had to take a year long course yeah. to become one it's not yeah. something that you just like you know magic just go in there and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's incredibly dangerous and it is not something that yeah obviously i mean well, regardless of what the labor is that the people are doing like they're doing the most dangerous labor because they're expendable according to the state you know yeah that that's largely the, like the cynics view of it and like that's kind of like how i've always seen it or how it's been presented of this side of the atlantic is that's why the prison labor in the California wildfire exists is because they're viewed as this like expendable large yeah. population because mm -hmm. uh, you do need a small army to deal with those wildfires. Yeah. They're insane. Unless you're Kanye and Kim who hired a private firefighting service, apparently. <laughs> Did you see the libertarians and like anarcho-capitalists just fucking jizzing their pants over that? Like, oh, yeah. Private like, yeah, yeah. anarchists. <laughs> Anarcho-capitalism awesome. is here, folks. They're going to love everyone. the uh, private militaries that all these like rich Venezuelans have. Mm. Um, but we were also talking about like earlier with the how this has gone into the media. The we were saying like in Orange is the New Black, which is a big show, they actually do deal with the fact of like prison manufacturing. Yeah, the or, thing that they did mm -hmm. best in that show, actually, the thing that I found most interesting was bringing that to light yeah i don't know if maybe they necessarily did that in, in a super critical way because they kind of then have this like very petty no oh, yeah competition aspect within the episodes of it but still like um the fact I think, they're talking about it at all yeah the fact that they're talking about it at all and the fact that there's um i mean there was a controversy recently with victoria's secret for example one of like the biggest lingerie company if not the biggest lingerie company in the united states utilizing prison labor like that so it is something that then is slowly um, yeah, gaining recognition, but it is, yeah, in the United States, it's never touted as being the reason why your company exists. No, and there's been, like, loads of prison shows in the United States that just didn't have any acknowledgement of prison manufacturing. Yeah, true. So I want to read a couple of selections from an old New York Times article to maybe give some perspective to this. Um, this is like that early 2000 shit, ain't it? It's exactly 2000. And nice. It's that it, Nick Kristoff shit, ain't it? <laughs> it's a real blast from the past to read because the New York Times, like, it always does. It's like, supporters say this, critics say this, but it's just some of these quotes. I'm, I'm going to go out of order, but just, just listen to this. In addition, supporters say, prisoners offer the ultimate in a flexible and dependable workforce. Yeah. Quote, if I lay them off for a week, said Pierre Slyman, the owner of the t-shirt company at Donovan, referring to his slime. workers, slime. I don't have to worry about someone else coming and saying, come work for me. <laughs> That's awesome. It's kind of like awesome how much they love it because actually they, those are the same people who might say like, oh yeah, we need competition and stuff like that, but not when it comes to actually like 
our workers. Yeah. I wonder so what Murray Rothbard. I like Rothbard that they can't run away from their yeah. job. <laughs> I really want to create the recreate the poorhouses in England in yeah. the 15th century. <laughs> I love this uh, flexible workforce. They're so flexible. It's great. I can <laughs> shove them into small spaces, <laughs> bend them over when they're not making the quota over yeah, like perfect. some sort of iron bar. Super flexible. I'm so <laughs> flexible. When I get angry, I like throw it against a wall like a bouncy ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See if it sticks like spaghetti. But even like in that sense, it actually kind of like this, a lot of this, this political, uh, this, a lot of this economic thought does come from um, either economic thought that is no longer relevant or no, or shouldn't be relevant anymore from like you know four centuries ago. But I'm always curious about what do then the libertarians have to say about this because this isn't voluntary at that point. Like, okay, Murray Rothbard would let you sell your child. Oh, he would love it. He would love <laughs> it. But I actually don't think that libertarians would even be for this just strictly an ideological perspective because it isn't a free choice for these people like you have to you have to really twist your viewpoint at least in my personal perspective of convincing yourself that this is indeed a good thing yeah it's it's a weird one if you were to really like fucking put this to them they would probably say no this isn't good but then you ask them to envision a prison in a libertarian society and, and it would a, be this it's a hundred percent this yeah, it is, oh, yeah, it is a labor camp i don't know i would probably say they would think it's good just because the ideology is so fungible they would just say anything is well yeah that was a free contract that was a free association maybe they would uh say something like yeah but they actually work for their freedom so it's kind of like yeah you do oh, so indentured servitude a, then exactly. everyone, <laughs> so you, ultimate libertarian thought is everyone starts in a prison <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you work for your freedom you work for your that's what childhood is exactly yeah. that's the answer if you don't the, get sold away when you're a child yeah, yeah. but actually that that's because where the whole murray rothbard question comes from is like all people are self-free, like are free, independent agents. Everything else is property. Yeah. But then he had to deal with this fact, this very conservative thought. He didn't want to do this idea that like child children were free roaming markets in the age. They they can't vote. They blah blah blah. So they then had to be in this dichotomy property. <laughs> As you can see, we're all huge fans of Murray Rothbard. I've read more of this stuff than I've read actual socialist literature. <laughs> wow. Rightfully so. It is way funnier than socialism is. Oh, my brain is mush. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, the New York Times article also gives a little perspective for how we got into this situation, and maybe it'll provide some clues for maybe world economic systems and what's happening around the world. I so, doubt that. I'm cutting some parts out, but uh, these are the two key paragraphs towards the end. In 1934, however, federal prison officials concerned about growing unrest in prisons lobbied to create a work program. Companies got involved again in 1979 when Congress passed a law allowing them to hire prisoners in some circumstances. For most of the last two decades, again, this was written in 2000, the, the programs remained tiny. But the tough drug and sentencing laws of the 1980s helped increase the number of Americans behind bars by 80% to 2 million in a decade. The unemployment rate, meanwhile, was falling. Stalin, you bitch. Like compete with those numbers <laughs> now the economy is very good and businesses are looking to the prison system for labor and that's from some assistant director of the california department of corrections I, what i cut out there is in the 30s there's all this like workers rights movements and prisoners rights movements mm -hmm. and that's why horrible they have to shut, that's why they have to shut down the program and then hmm, what's happening in 1979 and throughout the 80s like that that could be sending so many people to prison and using them as a more intensely exploited workforce flexible I have, very flexible. I don't know. That Innovative, sounds that sounds awfully flexible. familiar, though. Yeah. <laughs> a tight supply chain. 
Yeah, sounds like that that N word we were talking about last week. <laughs> Everyone was going to prison, and the unemployment numbers were falling. How does this happen? That, that that pesky neoliberalism. Pe- yeah. Just knock knock. It's Reagan. Hey, what's up? <laughs> no, it's seventy nine. No, no, no. Seventy nine's Carter. Oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Carter yep. started yeah. neoliberalism. Yeah, a lot well, of people. He did, Chicago he did, boys. he did. That's what we need. What? Yeah, Reagan Chicago is kind of Reagan's like a flashy neoliberal coming in, taking all the credit. But Jimmy Carter, Jimmy was, Carter started. He was. It. A, I mean, like Jimmy Carter was like a real gym to, rat neoliberal. It feels like he was like trying to open the jar, and then Reagan comes along and Carter's like, <laughs> yeah, Reagan, I got a loose for you. <laughs> yeah, Reagan's just like like weak, just Alzheimer's ridden body. Just like, <laughs> Jimmy, let me help you. <laughs> Click. Uh, I guess I guess that's a good enough segue as we'll ever get to sweatshop labor sweatshop labor in general, because we mentioned the fashion industry and although prison labor, you get prison they get prisoners to do whatever make license plates or so, um, the fashion industry in particular has a very neocolonial relationship using sweatshops. I mean it's a it's a stereotype that everyone knows it immediately yeah. comes to mind, hmm. and this is kind of it's de- it's developing at around the same time and has it's almost like the flip side of this um whether it's incarcerated people in the u.s or criminalized people in other parts of the world i mean i i think i want to make we'll talk about that more later and make that connection but but um yeah nike sweatshops <laughs> <laughs> what was that oh yeah so this whole thing really kind of um reminds me of a of a really stupid class that I had to take in the US that was more or less promoting this ideology that sweatshops are um not only good but they're empowering for women because of lovely people like Nicholas Kristoff who okay. yeah who if, if if you've I don't think he writes the New York Times anymore but throughout the 2000s this was his gig he wrote continuously about how yeah how how he traveled the world and he saw that women were just being prostituted left and right. Everywhere. Everywhere. Which, given, yes, prostitution is a separate other... <laughs> I traveled the world and the only <laughs> women who could talk to me were the women. He's doing the like Thomas Friedman thing of like he's he, he talks to like his taxi driver and learns about how the world is flat. Because that's, yeah. that's yeah. the only interaction he has with the... The like, yeah. local population is in taxis, and Nicholas Kristoff is like, oh, yeah, there's just prostitutes <laughs> everywhere here. I don't know why. But weird. Yeah. It's weird. That's, that's my I kept <laughs> ordering prostitutes, <laughs> and lo and behold, who's at my door? A prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Nicholas Kristoff throughout the 2000s just continuously had think piece after think piece about exactly this topic. And I remember that in this class, we had to read his, his this bird brain book about this and the question called yeah half the sky mm-hmm. um i don't recommend it Man, that's uh, that's because he's a, a maoist and saying women hold up half the sky exactly oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, yeah. So actually where the book title <laughs> comes you, from yeah it is fucking yeah. yeah. hell it has women holy shit i never noticed that it's half the sky nick christoph yeah. like i take everything back that i said like, you are you're fucking a maoist cool. <laughs> but he's actually wrote off to like peru and started leasing part of the shining path <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> In the book, he, he he argues that that the alternative for these women, instead of being prostitution, and you know, he just what he has a really absurd thing that he says that these women are just getting like like they're becoming prostitutes and everyone's just getting AIDS and dying, and he uses these very like kind of like big type conservative tropes a lot of the time, like Breitbart sort of styled mm-hmm. argumentation mm-hmm. that 
Like just the slippery slope sort of bullshit. If we want to talk about those dumb logic, if we don't put things. them in sweatshops, we're all going to get AIDS. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but because re- I can't stop sleeping with these. Yeah, oh, fucking Nick Kristoff, like, calm down. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that ideology that this is empowering for women. And the thing I have always been curious with him, and I don't think he's actually ever written about this, is that what happens when women would unionize in you know, let's say Bangladesh, a country where it's illegal to unionize, or these mm. countries that then he continuously talks about that, oh, we need to get women in sweatshops. Is it clearly then just becomes something that then, um, yeah, you can make the argumentation that then working in a factory is better than being a prostitute. That's a pretty easy comment to say. But then when it comes to then actually owning your labor, I don't think that he cares about that because it fucks up the global supply chain. And being the good neoliberal that Nick Nick Kristoff uh, is, it can't fit into the ideology properly and it then also has the potential of these women losing their jobs as well yeah. so there is like you know if you have a, a labor focused politic like there is a responsibility that comes into that that isn't just being like you know the good white hope that nick Kristoff wants to be there is also like this is definitely an aspect of politics that i haven't paid enough attention to so don't don't fucking at me but like i have heard women who are like very much talking about sex work and you know the whole sex work is work crowd and they would probably make pretty decent arguments that actually no sex work is probably yeah, the um, better melissa Guerra grant is a fantastic example i have her book actually right yeah on okay you take over from my on on fucking well, blibbing rant no because she um she went to cambodia at least in the the book that i've read and i've listened to like a few interviews for her like she doesn't promote sex work as being woke no she doesn't view like she that views it as exists. there is a perspective on on the left that then looks at i think prostitution critically and her book i can't read the name from here i'll put it in the the um we'll put it in the link if you i'll just go over and read it something about this. whore isn't it playing the whore yeah oh, okay and i think um eye catching title yeah, yeah, she does a fantastic job of actually breaking down the counter argument to this without being too, like, oh yeah, sex work is actually, uh, not only uh work, but it's also work that then you should be super proud of. And this, like, like she she acknowledges it from I think a, a very good Marxist perspective about that this is work that exists. It shouldn't be criminalized because when it is criminalized, the situation for these women become worse. It should be decriminalized. Man. No, she says it should not be criminalized. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, yes, it should be decriminalized, but it also then should be, like, you know, regulated the way that then other work is regulated and have its own standards. And she uses, she actually goes to Cambodia and speaks with the women that then, you know, Nick Kristoff is apparently saving from (laughs) prostitution and, like, goes off on him. Like, literally, just, she goes off, Queen. And fantastic, like, like, you can, the book's like 80 pages. It's a really easy read, and I cannot recommend it enough. So that's just—I just wanted to quickly just drop that in there. And there's also a lot of a content of her out there in interviews that you can easily find. Uh, you take it same, over. Yeah, it's a—it's <laughs> the same uh, with uh, sweatshop. Uh, sweat, yeah, mention saying slay queen. Actually, that brings me to my yeah. thought because um, <laughs> <laughs> we had this whole discussion with sweatshops when um, Beyonce um, when it was revealed that y- she uses sweatshops um, to produce her Ivy League sports clothes, and people who are very much into Beyonce and and seeing her as this like um, liberal fe- uh, feminist and the idol of uh, liberal feminism. 
um they use this everyone yeah i mean they use this argument um a lot like saying oh she money. is yeah, giving yeah. women jobs and she is like empowering them and uh, giving them the opportunity to kind of like make their own money and shit but like they, but even those are just a few yeah, cents and but the thing of the matter cents. is that they're never going to socially climb like it is yeah like, definitely because is, you can't get out of that situation yeah, of course. that is a yeah, yeah global capitalism will not let you do <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly, and the problem is, is always kind of to, uh, they try to excuse the system with that. Um, there's no actual idea to change the situation of these women, and this maybe like brings some like money into their pockets, even though that is like uh, insignificant. Uh, insignificant. Um, but it doesn't change anything in that situation. It doesn't critique the real, like the thing that is at fault here. Yeah, why is Bangladesh the way that it is? Mm. You know, yeah. you you exactly. can't look at that without looking at then, at least at the basic, you know, like like what we were talking about earlier, like this like neo-colonial construct that then exists as why the global south is the way that it is. And, you know, mm. I mean, okay, yeah, you, you, you can get down to a very weird, like, identity politic way of explaining that. Or you can be, you know, boss, you know, and explain the world through Marxism, which, in my opinion, is the better way. But still, it, it like, there is... A structure of global capitalism that needs countries to be worse off yeah for whatever reason that is you know and you can like like i always think that it's a nice um uh the thing that you were saying about too like kind of using the, the mental exercise of even when when countries become uh not equivalent to the west but they have their own opportunity to then build their own capital yeah. they still have to create areas where they can fuck people over yeah yeah so we, we were talking about this when the like the neoliberal argument that like the situation is improving things and yeah there's some data to suggest that countries that didn't have like as big of a middle class as they did before um is like now have a bigger middle class that's like something but it's also off the back of like exploiting people it's also that like bullshit um that un thing of like getting everyone on like a dollar a day or whatever the fuck or like out of a dollar a day that's their extreme poverty quota but like a lot of that was ignoring the people. all means tested bullshit. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. But a lot of that was ignoring like situations that you had in like Southeast Asia and South America, people who were living on zero dollars a day, which is to say they were self sufficient. They had their own land, as like not legally had it, but you know they had their own little square plot where they could farm to take care of themselves. Um, if they got seriously ill, yeah, they were fucked to a certain extent, but they didn't need an income as we considered it because they were self-sufficient um and now they like all that land has been bought by like a logging company and they're they're the prime like fucking stock for these sweatshop people because they're forced into like slums into city centers they're desperate they don't have any formal training or skills yeah um but like yeah you get into this weird rhetorical exercise of if this is all meant to make all these countries rich what happens when they are rich or like and you yeah. have the, the creation of areas that then allow then, you know, these these exceptional like what are the what, what did you call them earlier? Special economic zones. Yeah. So that then within your own country you can just horribly exploit people, Which, or prisons can become that too if that's then. Yeah, you know. absolutely. Because like special economic zones are becoming like weirdly more common. They were pushed in Africa by China quite a bit, and I think there's a shit ton of them in India as well, mm-hmm. um, where it's just like an area about the size of an industrial estate where some law doesn't apply. Um, usually a tax law, environmental law, or more often than not, labor laws. And like, even Ireland had one, but it was like about removing like some sort of stamp duty on uh, buying items in like an airport or whatever the fuck. 
But yeah, it is literally walking into an industrial estate that says there is there is only one rule here. There are no rules. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I just want to say that special economic zones sound like a shitty version of the purge. Like in the purge movies, <laughs> everyone thinks like there's that no laws. True. I get to murder people. All yeah. that would happen in the real purge is they would just come in and enslave everybody and make you yeah. work. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's it, it, it's it like is. expectation versus reality. Yeah, it is shitty. It is shitty purge. It's like this summer, get ready for the one night of the week where overtime doesn't apply. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd watch that. <laughs> like um, to break strikes, they like declare purges. <laughs> <laughs> the one night of the year where your boss can remove all your vacation days <laughs> that sounds far more terrifying I'm, than the actual <laughs> uh, okay um, well I just wanted you, you guys have we've been talking about Nicholas Kristoff a lot and I think we should emphasize and I'm sure everyone agrees that he is just kind of a the poster boy of all this exactly he's just mm -hmm. the poster boy he's just the dumb stooge and do you really I mean, want th like a man if not three men explaining feminism <laughs> to you oh hell yeah and I'd one, like that and one 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 oh, you mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, One woman who we consistently try to silence, but she exactly. won't put up with it. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring it back to like, I wanted to bring up Nike as an example, because Nike, you know, they have these terrible sweatshop conditions. They still do, but they got a lot of bad press for it. And they started this program called Girl Effect. Mm. And this is something <laughs> that's been, you know, it's not just Nicholas Kristoff. This um, thing where they're saying you need to invest in girls around the world and by doing that they'll by like pretty lift much up enslaving everybody. Them. Just yeah. The way you said that is like it's not just Nicholas Kristoff. It's like, <laughs> hi, I'm Nicholas Kristoff, the face of Mike Curl. <laughs> but he actually makes that su suggestion as well in his yeah. book. So he says like later, what can you do to help women around the world and Build he says like no yeah for example no but like, yeah invest some money or something in a small business in I don't know where Peru Peru yeah. for example like a mm. or employ prison <laughs> like women in prison or something like that yeah no but actually he makes also this like girl effect um, yeah. argument yeah, okay. the girl effect yeah. is his argument that's what oh, I was that saying oh that is his yeah. argument it's okay not, like I don't want to say that then he's the one who's behind all of this, but he legitimately <laughs> one uses, yeah, one man telling women how to work. Um, he continuously uses this exact term girl effect of how to pretty much just like get child labor to. Yeah, how to hack child labor laws internationally. <laughs> I really like One that weird idea. trick. I really like that idea of just like Chris, I was like, I call the girl effect. Because when I was visiting Thailand, I noticed all the women were prostitutes, but all the girls weren't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we need to girlify the women population. But like, it must be when they become older, they just naturally become prostitutes. Like Christoph's doctor. <laughs> it's USAID, it's UNICEF, it's the World Bank, it's the fucking clinton global initiative oh, nice. like it's not it's it's the murderer's row of organizations and this is the whole infrastructure that exists to rationalize this economic system but we can just pick on nick christoff right yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's one person and not those very scary international <laughs> organizations <laughs> oh the big ones the washington you know, we have to consensus learn lots of, like corporate structures and many names yeah, let's no. just pick what one guy yeah, one guy <laughs> fuck, nick, fuck nikki k yeah <laughs> Stupid German-ass last name <laughs> with your British-ass first name. Well, the way it's written, Wait, it's not German. The way it's written, it's Nicholas more like Danish. <laughs> the way it's written, it's more Danish because it's written with a K and an F, and that might be the... Actually fucking the Danish. Oh, shit! <laughs> it's Danish! <laughs> the Danes are at it again! <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so, so let's so go back to the dance, I would say. Yeah, I would say so too. I mean, we have these two threads of sweatshop labor in the in the global south and prison labor. And then, car and then you know, some entrepreneurial uh, Genius. geniuses came <laughs> along and said, what if we combine the two? Yeah, that's a business idea right there. And I would say even yeah. Carcel is one level further because in doing some research for this, there you can find on Kickstarter like Dutch companies of trying to use um, um, prison labor and all sorts of different little startups. But Carcel has just been pedal to the metal. Like their whole brand is like, they're just constantly repeating made by women in prison, made by women in prison. And they just monetize and sell every single aspect of that whole, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. The whole, like every aspect of, I mean, on their blog, you can see like the stories of the women. And we already mentioned before that the women's name is printed on the clothing and like, they're, they're just taking, I mean, again, these are prisoners. They're taking every aspect from them and selling it to their, along with, I mean, I guess it's kind of tied, it's it's kind of tied to how you don't just sell a product anymore. You sell an experience. And it's like, they're selling yeah. the whole experience of like, yeah. it's tied Having to this like- prisoner that makes your clothes free. Yeah, it's like, not only, not only do you have the clothes, but then you have the name and then you can see like the yeah. photos of the women making it and what yeah. the well, story it's like, is. It sounds like one of those like adopt a panda from the local zoo oh, type yeah. of situations it's where they give you like monthly updates. But yeah, they're yeah. branding it. I mean, actually they have clothes that is also like orange. And it's orange. I mean, we, we all know, um, well, not we all know, but uh, popular like um, culture. People knows who it. are in prison, you associate with wearing exactly. orange jumpsuits. Yeah, well, not in Germany, but yeah, through the TV show, um, Orange is the New Black, everyone knows about Cultural it. Cultural hegemony. Yeah. Exactly. And Thank yeah, you, and they're. <laughs> 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 and yeah, they have this line of clothes and it's bright orange. And ca nobody can tell me that that is an accident. Yeah, I'm they curious. were. Yulia they can tell I, you that. Yulia oh, yeah, they can, but. <laughs> so there's a, there's a local shop here in Berlin called. Is it, is it actually pronounced Sardine? I guess so. Yeah. And so I'm just going to call them Sardine, even though it looks like it's spelled differently. They had, um, yeah, they're a shop here in Berlin that specialized, I guess we could say specialized in, in, in working with these kind of startup fans, you know, uh, uh, gentrifying shitheads you wrote here. So I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> yeah. They work with these, with these bullshit. Well, they themselves are also Yeah, they're gentrifying also gentrifying shitheads shit as well. Yeah. And they work with these, with these groups, And they interviewed these two women who own Carcel on their podcast, and they really like made a big point about the orange jumpsuit thing about being like, look, or it wasn't, it was just a whole outfit, an orange, I guess, but it looked like mm -hmm. an orange jumpsuit about, oh, you know, it really um, just went very well with the scenery. And they were trying to say every single thing that they could around the fact that it looked like it was something that you would associate with mm -hmm. prison. Yeah. And on their website, they have like, like you were saying earlier with how just uh, Carcel's whole image is prison 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 and they also have the same thing on their site too for this company and i found it i i i did not really understand how they could yeah they can just like kind of buy into this and i i guess this kind of goes into the whole psyche too of just being like a, a dipshit woke person in Kreuzberg. is that you are just simply that you're just a, a dipshit rich person with daddy or mommy's money Yeah. Well, you know. the the like the the interesting thing about the whole like the because they claim the whole orange jumpsuit thing was like somewhat of an accident or like they weren't trying. Uh, oops. Yeah, but like that doesn't like that's believable when you get to like 
at the photo shoot stage because like you don't you don't shoot it and then decide we're going to put this on the website like that's two stages in a process yeah. that were probably both deliberated at no point did no one yeah. bring up it's like whenever like an like like with the Gucci thing recently where they had that very oh, racist yeah. turtleneck that the you could pull over your yeah. face that had blackface Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, no, you know. <laughs> um, it's always kind of one of those things that then it was obviously thought out as being that. Like, it did not reach the end product yeah. and the photo shoots and everything. Like, there, there is a massive amount of, you know, processes that it has to go through in order to get to the final product. And that no one came and was like, yeah, like, maybe this is insensitive. And I, I think, too, with the with the Carcel thing, it's the exact same thing. Like, it was done intentionally. Like, there's but, there's things in bigger companies where things can slip through the cracks that way because every team is just so separated from each other. But, like, Carcel's relatively small. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, part of it is being lean. Like, they don't have workers. They have prisoners. So, like, I think it's just a small team <laughs> yeah. in Denmark and then their vast prison army. Yo, Nike, listen up. <laughs> That's actually scary. Yeah. But... Uh, I don't even like I can just imagine them sitting in there like when they're looking at it and saying like prison is such a mood like this is Peru is such a mood like what yeah. <laughs> what for a mood you know yeah but I mean they do the same in their advertisement I mean they are at Coty which mm. is like we all know like not the fanciest area in it's Berlin. a shithole like yeah. we can we can say it's a shithole area edgy. Berlin it's so edgy. that is the point yeah. I think yeah. kind of do like you want to see romanticize like uh, you want to see couldn't... heroin addicts get beat up by police yeah. officers go to Kati yeah. it's not a fun place I try to avoid it but they kind of romanticize it like yeah. they romanticize like, like every ec- economical deprivation is that the word <laughs> okay I, I don't know yeah yeah Exactly, and they do that in the advertisement, and they do that in the like yeah. prison situation. They talk a lot about it, actually. They talk a lot about like how many women are in prison because of like economic situations, and because like um, they actually did their research. They say like a lot of women are in prison because of like minor drug offenses and shit like that. Because it may Don't be even sound like a system of downside. <laughs> because it <laughs> might not be too nice if you have like your pullover made by a murderer exi- Maria or something like that. I mean, so they kind of yeah. like monetize on that as well. Yeah, that's that's why they bring up the like they're only minor drug offenses. Exactly. Like, we wouldn't yeah. trust fucking murderers or embezzlers or whatever the fuck with the clothes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think we just need to hammer home the f- like. These fucking sardine assholes, like, they're all... I'm just going to assume they're Swabian because everyone who lives in Berlin from Germany is from uh, fucking Baden-Württemberg. And they all moved to Berlin (laughs) to start their DJ career. And by start their DJ career, what that means is go to a series of, like, pop-up art vintage sales that their friends have every weekend. And then eventually they're like, oh, I need to actually have a job. And then they just start, like, an agency where they want to, like, hack the market and, you know, and brand and, like, work with... You know, that that's the biggest thing. What, yeah, I want to give a, what neocolonialism just, is now today yeah. is that yeah. the rest of the world is there for you to work with, exactly. not to exploit. Yeah. It's like it's just there for you to collaborate, collaborate, build some synergy, build some supply chains with. Yeah, I really wanted to send. A, <laughs> exactly. I really want to send a personal message to uh, uh, these dipshits at Sardine. You're making money, and to to uh, uh, what's it called, Carcel, whose name they just literally thought they were edgy because they read Foucault once. Which you Maybe shouldn't have read, read it twice. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. They were like, damn, cool. hospitals like, resemble schools, resemble prisons, resembles our business plan. <laughs> Bro. Bro, yeah, they're just sitting there just thinking that they're the fucking hot shit because they read Foucault once and now they made their whole, their whole, they took it way too literal. Yeah. But, like, you were, like, just straight up, like, your entire 
method of profit creation is on the backs of people who have absolutely no voice. You pretend that you're giving them a voice and that is like that's a weird type of evil that I like can't fathom. Yeah. Like I really can. And Carcel could have gone to Peru and they could have worked with, you know, women's co ops that then have labor like, you know like self organized self organized working, you know, all that like that would have been you could have had a fashion company that then high fashion that could have then had the same material, the same exact even, process. Even yeah. just working with companies that hire ex cops. Yeah, exactly. That's like that's the good that liberal. Be, yeah, yeah, that would be something. You could have you could have done the exact same platform yeah. and made it you know fit into your your ethical background, but instead you're picking on the people who are the most exploited in you know like like women on drug charges, which is entirely a a, a product of. As you were saying, one of you were saying earlier that in like with Thailand, their whole product that they have there is a brand new system that Thailand has, like of the last thirty years, that drug incarcerations are literally a product of trying to like model after the U.S.'s drug incarceration system. Yeah, and there's nothing, you know, I I guarantee you these people are also very critical about the drug war in the United States, but then using it for their benefit when it happens somewhere else, like okay. that is racism, like, like yeah, just straight up. Because the implication <laughs> of what Yuli uh, was saying was the like the whole idea of like we only hire people who do like minor drug offenses the implication there the rest of that sentence is because who hasn't because they're like saying like everyone in the carcel offices like offices guaranteeably everyone out in cotty like in the sardine yeah like on some good shit yeah Yeah. Um, these people's daily fucking like i i guarantee you that a lot of people who probably shop at sardine or 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 shop with with carcel are probably if they're involved in Berlin or in Denmark, are probably very avid drug users. Just assuming how the demographic is, yeah. and the fact of what your daily life is, you would be locked up they're and chewing being working. their faces off on it. Yeah, <laughs> you're fucking like like your, you know, weekends would be an imprisonable offense in Peru, and you could be working for this fucking. More, probably a death yeah. sentence in Thailand. More, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> more directly, the more coke you do, like ever so slightly, you'll get more workforce in the in the in oh the hell Peru yeah <laughs> the more coke you do the more this business model will seem like a great idea it's yeah, just it's so what it literally it's, seems so, like. it's so banal they literally have like this refurbished like warehouse in Kreuzberg like probably near Koti they're all walking around like they're they post their instagrams everywhere because everyone's trying to be an influencer mm-hmm. all the guys wear that little hat on their head that looks oh, like nice. an unrolled condom that everyone in berlin wears <laughs> like it's just so this banal. is a personal attack <laughs> this is a personal attack on kieran yeah. <laughs> cut his mic <laughs> you're dividing the left <laughs> well, i like those hats <laughs> <laughs> we are of berlin we cannot avoid this <laughs> We did not make the city the city has made us. But it's definitely like a, a huge part of Car- like going back to Carcel, because this is on the Carcel's blog, but I guess they're being um, con- like advised all along the way by Sardine. Like, I don't think we mentioned, but the Sardine is like marketing company by description. It's an agency. So it's kind of yeah. unclear mm-hmm. if they also have in store what they, so they, they work with like six different companies. It's not clear if they also have in store like selections from those companies. Okay. Or maybe it's just an office, but. Fair enough. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well. yeah. But um Yeah, yeah. So I think that a, a huge aspect of this is the fact that they're selling I mentioned it before that they're selling not just a product but an experience. Mm-hmm. But this whole like touristy the prison lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They're they're selling like this like I don't think it's a coincidence that the the two prisons that Carcel 
works with in Cusco and then their new one in Chiang Mai in Thailand and they also want to expand they're both like touristy areas like and when they post you go visit the prisons and shit like that I think so well we're gonna get into it but Chiang Mai you can go get a massage there yeah like they're selling like this whole like where you're like know where your clothes came from it came from this beautiful place that you want to go to like I'm gonna read a post that they have on their blog yes Um, please yeah cause like the carousel blog looks like an eat pray love travel blog this is the quote okay Veronica and Christina, those are the two founders, so they're writing in the third person. Which one's, which one's the relative of Dinesh? Veronica D'Souza. Veronica, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. That, exactly. name, that name is just As cursed. I said before, Norman is Norman. <laughs> Veronica and Christina spent one month visiting prisons across the country, this is in Thailand, meeting with potential partners and politicians and exploring the Silk Road in Isan province. What a white European thing to do, though, go to Thailand. Like They, they were going to find themselves. We were day. getting good <laughs> photos for our Tinder profile. Yeah, little oh, like yeah. Like uh, school full of Asian kids for some reason. Yeah, like prison full of Asian kids. <laughs> when they returned, they just call it kids there. Yeah. <laughs> when they returned, they were completely in love with the wonderful traditions of Thai silk and amazed by the progressive political will to pioneer new projects that could empower women in prison. Oh my god, this makes me so angry. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> I mean, I want to fight these people. Just like Stop again, <laughs> Thailand is a constitutional monarchy. The most progressive yeah. thing you can do there is become a republic, which is something Switzerland did in the year three hundred. So, like, thanks for the facts. Yeah, <laughs> facts, facts. Swiss origin story. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, like, it's just like part of what mm-hmm. you do. Like, I mean, the whole idea, like traveling in general, it's something like. I think it's important and I want to do, but the way it's sold now, this like tourism is so spectacular. Honestly, it's in Society of Spectacle. They talk about it, like how the idea Look who of, reads books over the here. other parts yeah, of the yeah, world books, are like turned into their like spectacular essence for you to consume. Like no, no, and no, when no, you're no, going no. Hold there up, to hold see, up. it has, it has even a deeper, like since we're on the topic of like neocolonialism and stuff like that, the idea of tourism and stuff like that comes from the fact oh, yeah, of, yeah. of colonialists colonialism. being bored and just like sending their like fail sons off to places. Yeah, yeah true. Like, see, but, see the word. Yeah. The, the way, the way I'm taking the word. it is especially today, like if like people are like, Oh, you know, I have some free time. I'm going to go to Thailand. And what do you do when you're in Thailand? And then they go to like, I don't know, TripAdvisor. And it's like, this is mm-hmm. what you have to do and see. And then more and more, the it's just going to be like, when you're there, you have to go to the Thai prison and yeah, get a massage. Exactly. And like, yeah. it's just going to become more and more like banal evil. It's kind of weird because it's kind of like you want to like monetize or commodify everything, like even prisons. Though, so that you can myself. go there and it's an experience. <laughs> like get a fucking massage by by uh, like uh, an ex-con. Yeah, no, a not ex-con, con, a current con. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, yeah. yeah, because like I feel like the the tourism industry has maybe this is maybe this is not as recent to change as I think it is, but like it does feel like way more colonialist now because it kind of feels like. Old tourism was just go to the places where there is sun. We need yeah. sun, like especially from our parts of the world. Oh yeah, yeah but yeah. like Germans had like a saying about that that was yeah. horrible. Like "Ein Platz der an der Sonne." Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, at least you guys can go to sunny parts of your own country. Ireland is, <laughs> <laughs> but like 
nowadays with the things like Airbnb and like stuff like that's stuff that's being pitched here on their own blogs it is very like you have to embed yourself mm-hmm. become Thai for a week oh yeah definitely yeah the, I yeah. mean that is the whole slogan of Airbnb that's the whole yeah. idea behind that Isn't there a experience thing of, like, the whole like experience the country now, the like, way yeah Thais experience the country yeah yeah exactly. isn't there a thing like kind of a little bit um not tied to Airbnb, but isn't like in Russia, if you're extremely wealthy, you can pay to pretend to be homeless or something? Yeah, you can do a lot in Russia because if what? you're, yeah, you can also yeah. like, pro, um, like, um, pimp out your wife and shit like that. Like, for, uh, or you can. Oh, I thought you meant like pimp your wife, like it's like pimp my ride. <laughs> yeah, no, no, too. not that. Yeah, you can, you can like play, uh, you can. We put a, a wife in your wife. <laughs> 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 you can do horrible stuff. Like, if you even. International more Women's money. Day is coming up, guys. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> yeah, well, Russia, they know how to treat women um but no actually people get bored with a like convenient experience like of tourism or like of being rich for example so you can actually pay people to fuck your wife for example i know <laughs> or to become an uh, like a homeless person or something live on the street for a week and you pay people for doing that well you can also actually just get rid of Russia your money really doesn't know how your capitalism housing works, do they <laughs> well yeah they kind of had a, a rough start yeah. there <laughs> i noticed that when i was in latvia with you that they're very confused by this capital i know thing still but i want to transition to the situation in Peru and Thailand and throughout the global south because it's not a coincidence that um, the Carcel and a company like it and this fusion dance of of slave labor and sweatshop labor if into like slave sweatshop third world labor has happened at like now of all times you haven't seen my final form <laughs> <laughs> my god the exploitation levels are <laughs> <laughs> they're overnight things <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, it's 2004 memes. Good. Uh. <laughs> dude, I'm imagining Vegeta. No, dude, Vegeta and the big dude are Napa. are the are don't the call two, him the big dude. What's his name? Raditz. Raditz. Napa. Napa. Okay. Vegeta and Napa are the two Danish women, and they arrive in Peru, and they're like, "My God, <laughs> the, the labor, the labor force." <laughs> are they gonna like have an episode that is like, like just them at the prison for four episodes? <laughs> <laughs> oh I was done charging my power levels. <laughs> Dude, what's the, the it actually pr- is no. kind of a comparable. Then you start just like, to, like two Danish aliens yeah, that exactly. crash into But it's like, oh, yeah. be like, my God, the the um the producer surplus is over. Again, I'm just imagining still Danish D'Souza with a wig on to be <laughs> with this one person. Yeah, isn't that funny? I was, but now I'm imagining Vegeta with a wig. On. <laughs> the reason Carcel is popping off when it is now is because the prison population especially the women's uh, prison population is uh, blowing up across the world I mean in the US and Canada but especially throughout the global south and in the global south the reason for that is because of this criminalization of low I mean it's a criminalization of poor people indigenous people in those countries and it targets uh, and it targets them through the criminalization. Again, what of I drug said earlier, trafficking. like that is racism. Yeah. Targeting these, pi- <laughs> yeah. these people is racism. But especially for sure. then also women. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Racist and sexist. Yeah, like, exactly. they, they really want to get intersectional, uh, intersectional with this. Yeah. Yeah. But you have a situation where these women are targeted as drug mules, whatever, to fuel this global drug economy, and they're happy to leave this as a as a sphere of criminalization to further exploit the labor of these women. I mean, to put them in jail and to use them however. I mean, I mean, we're, we're going to get into the Thai example, but I mean, the quote 
to, to have a little throwback from the New York Times, again, from the, the old one we read, the f- they interview this uh, corrections officer who says, like, it's a problem for corrections officers to have prisoners without anything constructive to do. They're like, oh, we have all these prisoners. I don't know how we got them. Let's let's use them. Let's do something with them. Like, it's just this. The thing about neoliberalism is that everyone is just like a chicken, like with their head cut off and like they can only see the step in front of them. Or at least that's all. That's the only ideology that's available. So they're like, oh, somehow we're getting more prisoners. Let's do something about this. We tried stacking them up like Lego bricks and making more prisons out of them. But But guys, I have to say, I hate to break it to you. It's actually racist to criticize all this. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm, I'm fucked. Like, I was reading Vogue the other day. How Irish people involved? Like, the only race. <laughs> and, like, she, like, this woman, Veronica D'Souza, made a good point. She was saying, like, oh, Veronica. You can't come in with a Danish mindset of what a just system and what isn't. You come in with a Belgian mindset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's way better. <laughs> I Belgians were big on beast mode. <laughs> Oh, just makeup races. <laughs> I, okay, you've seen that meme of just like the di- the T Rex from Toy Story, it's like yeah, Belgium yeah. in Europe, and then the T Rex from Jurassic Park, Belgium in Africa. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can't come in with a Danish mindset of what is a just system and what isn't. What we can do is get access and change things from the inside without being an NGO or yelling and screaming about the justice system being broken. Access. We can utilize it. <laughs> Gain That's an access. interesting point. I mean, she actually, yeah. This is the best part. We can do it through something that makes the prisons shine as well. Whoa. Okay, shine. she lost everything there. When, <laughs> yo, when she was, was critiquing yo, prisons, the NGOs. Prisons lost their shine. I'm just trying to get prisons their shine back. Yeah, now. make them like, get make them like they are. Like, <laughs> make them into a TV show like we have on Netflix for example why, why aren't these gangs dancing at each other exactly. wanna be an American <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah it's like we brought we brought fucking Higa to the prison population we gave everyone like a, a fireplace and some comfy slippers uh, <laughs> in exchange for their undying servitude <laughs> it's kind of like they're trying to say like look prison is part of life. Oh, yeah. prison, prison is part we live in a society. Cap- yeah. Prison is part <laughs> no, of no. capitalism. We come we can't apply a Danish mindset to a Thai society. <laughs> because in Denmark we're shutting down prisons and that would ruin our whole business. Exactly. Model. That's why we have to outsource our labor in other prisons. Yeah. I, I mean it's just it, it's indistinguishable from like going to Cusco in the fifteen hundreds and throwing everyone in the gold and silver mines, like men and women, like ugh. And probably children too. Yeah, and, and children. It's I like, come from the economic affair. school, which is to say, throw indigenous people at it until money comes out. <laughs> uh, so do they. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh yeah. I want to switch to Thailand because even more than Peru, I feel like Thailand really captures the dynamic that's going on. And again, this is the second prison that, in their uh, travel blog, that that they travel added blog. to their collection. The second Infinity Stone. Sorry. In northern Thailand, female female prisoners are getting a second chance. Through massage. That is an <laughs> interesting title already. This is Who is this lady with the fucking like she is, uh, military? Officer, she's, the she's the boss. She's the institution. The prison warden. Yeah. Oh yeah, she looks like it. <laughs> she so, looks nice. I was, I was like, is this the princess of Thailand? <laughs> well, it could be. I mean, the military. Yeah. <laughs> she's coming. Is this she's like when Prince Harry dressed up as a Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You see, I'm dressed ironically as the junta from the last regime. <laughs> uh, military juntas are a mood. <laughs> All right, so the article says, 
Throughout Thailand, rates of female imprisonment are on the rise. Between 2006 and 2012, the number of women in prison in Thailand increased almost 50%, with the vast majority of sentences stemming from using, producing, or dealing drugs, mostly meth. Well, just to cut it off, but like there is a huge meth problem in Thailand. And that's why I want to emphasize it's, it's like the drug smuggling. I mean, it's a whole international drug trade to the oh, yeah, U.S., yeah, but it's also like a certain neoliberal economy that makes the workers like just in the same way that we've talked about whatever if you're um the way there's uh, a huge uh, drug problem in east germany or in northern england or something it's the same thing in the worst parts of thailand too the disenfranchised people have nothing else to turn for yeah. also as far as i know um southeast asia is like south america but for australia in terms of drug trade oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, so skipping down a bit. In the quiet courtyard at the Women's Vocational Training Center in Chiang Mai. That's a euphemism. <laughs> the women's, it was made quiet. <laughs> the women sweeping and cleaning don't look like hardened criminals. They don't even look like women who would cut you off in traffic. A great reason to <laughs> send someone to prison. <laughs> I like how like they actually like push this very um, sexist like idea of a woman that has to they they are pretty they look they already shine you don't even have to make that prison shine they did not <laughs> speak unless spoken to exactly. <laughs> but they're all inmates at the nearby women's correctional institution and more than 85 percent of them are doing time like chen paying for drugs none of them were invited to be on podcasts <laughs> <laughs> women from the hill tribe region a term loosely used to describe ethnic minority communities living in the north face particular cultural obligations that can play a part in why many end up here these women have a, quote, a higher responsibility for their families when compared to those of men. They have to take care of the children and everything else in the family. And when they can't feed the stomachs in the family, it's very easy to sway them to do this kind of thing. This kind this, of thing? This is pure ideology because it's not the fact that, I mean, Thailand, like throughout Southeast Asia, extremely tr strict drug laws. I mean, I think most people know in the Philippines how Duterte is just murking people, oh, yeah. like whoever he wants and calling them uh, drug dealers. But before... I, I want to say 19, in the, before the 1930s in Thailand, there was no criminalization of drugs at all. And it was just through colonization and new regimes where this very strict drug process was, uh, drug laws were implemented. And so you can just see that it's a, it's a recent thing. I mean, the government that, like is criminalizing its forces, its government decisions throughout the world that are forcing more people into drug trafficking and using drugs. And then they're just like... These, they're so nice. They wouldn't cut you off in traffic, but you know they're just swayed because, you know, they just can't do everything. <laughs> well, it's actually like with these drug laws, um, they are reproducing their own workforce, kind of. No, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. So, yeah. For sure. Regardless, this is continuing on later. Regardless, the recidivism rate at the Chiang Mai Correctional Institution is quite low. That's thanks in part to Her Royal Highness Princess. I'm gonna mess this up. Bajrak it Abha Mahadol. I'm sorry, princess. <laughs> that was bad. You skipped a lot there. But <laughs> cut that out. I'm sorry, princess. Damn, your tie sucks. Come on. Have some respect. The member of Thailand's royal family has been a huge advocate for women prisoners' rights since 2006 when she launched an initiative called Inspire. It's meant to improve conditions for mothers in prison and help reintegrate female prisoners into society after their release. The vocational training program in Chiang Mai is a direct result of her efforts. So yeah, we I, I was like this very much reminded me of like these kind of really really weak pet projects that are usually given to like the first lady in the United States. Like mm -hmm. 
obesity, cyberbullying is another current thing. But like both successful, both very <laughs> yes, as we know, the thinnest, friendliest country, United States. Um, but like this seems to be quote unquote working, or at, like actually having like she has effect and power, and she's made a whole bunch of people in prisons masseuses. Nice. Yeah, exactly. So I, actually, I don't even even. I mean, I mentioned it in the title, but I don't know if they've said it yet. But the program that she installed again. So the program she installed is to train the prisoners again who are serving like twenty year sentences uh, to be masseuses. And what's so perfect about this is this is the princess of Thailand. And instead of you know working to change the laws or anything like that, it's just you know we have all these people in jail. Let's train them to be more masseuses for the tourism industry. Because the next paragraph says every day a line of customers, mostly tourists, wait patiently to book massage appointments at the vocational training center. Slots fill up quickly, and many people are, are told to try again tomorrow the experience like business is booming and so like that just lays it out so clearly about how this is something to like further exploit workers and to just extract more value out of the system yeah i think i think a point to make about all this and this is really reflected in the vox article of course shout out vox for always being the purest distillation of dumb neoliberalism and the best francoist party in spain currently Morocco needs to be annexed by the <laughs> Spanish. Reconquista like, do. Of, of course, they do the thing of like, this side says this, this side says that. But fundamentally, all they say, you basically can't argue with the fact that you're, improve, you're improving the lives of these women in prison. And like, they are getting more money and more training. And like, this individual woman will be better once she gets out of prison. And if you're just looking with the most extreme blinders on, that's true in a sense. And the only thing that Vox can criticize them for is that it's bad optics for the for the Danish company. But what it ignores and what we've been trying to get at through all of this is the fact that this is a whole regime of criminalization whose entire purpose, I mean, it's an arm of neoliberalism, if that's what you want to call it. It's an arm of the whole world economy and world history whose point is to extract more to extract more value out of laborers and there are systems of incarceration there are systems of borders that exist to do that i mean the fact that they want prison laborers instead of anyone who can form a union or a co-op or anything like that is because they are more fixed they can't rebel they can't do anything i mean one of the things that nobody is talking about is why exactly these prisons seem so happy. Like <laughs> they mentioned in the blog post how like, yeah, Thai prisons just wanted us to come and work with them. I wonder why. It's because <laughs> they get a cut of the profits yeah. and like yeah. they get to deal like they... So they did read their Foucault then. <laughs> yeah, basically. And like the other aspect is they do all this dumb stuff about how they're in the family. You know, we see them as employees. That's what Carcel says about the people. But if there's ever any... <laughs> They don't have you the know, same rights resistance as or anything. The prison takes care of it. There, yeah. And that is a reflection of the same thing that, I don't know. But that works with sweatshops as, as well. Yeah. It's always said like, oh yeah, they're part of the family. They're our suppliers or something like that. But actually, when it comes like to some troubles, like a fire breaks out as a sweatshop or something, it's always like, oh yeah, but they're not actually part of the company. So mm -hmm. we, yeah. we visit them from time to time. I mean, and then it looks fine because we tell them that we come to visit. And of course, and there is no like child working at the sweatshop right now and if we find one we give them a warning and next and that's actually h&m so yeah i worked <laughs> there for a while and yeah, next yeah. time um if they are working like the the kid is still there working there okay we gotta make them pay for its education yeah but that is kind of like a excuse like there, there's this little thing that we change but we don't want to change the system yeah even look in the sense of of the uh um the the management of 
how how um uh, like manufacturing is brought to sweatshops is also outsourced too, isn't it? I know that they like I think the Gap recently um had a a scandal or a controversy because they yeah they outsource the means of finding places to then do their work and then they themselves are no longer responsible for it technically. So if something let's say yeah child labor happens to just be at this facility, it's no longer the Gap's responsibility. It's the responsibility of the company that then outsources it. Yeah, exactly. So they've even yeah. like they've they've lessened the responsibility by by finding these weird new loopholes through the creation of new markets, which it's very weird that there's a market to find sweatshop labor that then exists yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah, I think I think another thing that like maybe we haven't talked about, but I think it's probably evident from this entire conversation is that distinction between like prison labor and sweatshop labor is quite fine yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit like you could maybe make the argument that like oh the, the sweatshop laborers like can go home at the end of the day is like yeah but what? home yeah <laughs> where they happen to just like That's make bar- facilities barracks, like on uh, on the, absolutely yeah. or like and when do they go home is it just like just yeah. enough time for them to have sleep and maybe yeah. for well, five minutes and, maybe and yeah. then get back yeah. it looks like yeah it just ends yeah. up looking like 19th century england well and, and yeah you, exactly. you, you also can't ignore the fact that a lot of the people for example in vietnam who work in the sweatshops they're from like rural communities in the north and then they work yeah. in this giant industrial park in the yeah. south so they're completely yeah. divorced from yeah. like any kind of family or community exactly ties. they don't see anything except for the sweatshop i think the only thing that like we've talked about or maybe like the zeitgeist or public discourse whatever you want to call it talk focuses more on is like that when we talk about prison labor has largely it has largely been in the global north like any discussion of Mm -hmm. prison labor in the u.s mostly has been about prison labor within the u.s Mm -hmm. and now this whole carcel thing is just like like you said what if prison labor but in the south kind of but i mean even there i mean um there was this prison strike in the u.s Mm -hmm. and yeah um, I actually read an article about I forgot his name unfortunately um, he is involved with the new Black Panther movement and um, he was kind of like part of the organ, uh, organization of the strike and he was kept like uh, they uh, they kept him like they kept relocating him uh, to different prisons because they didn't want him to spread well like yeah. wokeness <laughs> <laughs> and um, now he is in a prison and he's on the death row even though he w- wasn't sentenced to uh yeah to death he has a life sentence um but they want to keep him in like isolation um isolation isolation solitary. solitary confinement that's the word yeah exactly so yeah he is not able to speak to anyone and they don't want him to actually like spread the idea that you can organize um in prisons and you can go on strikes I mean, even in the US. So. Wasn't the like wasn't he associated with like the IWW and stuff like that? If I'm not mistaken. Could be. I'm, yeah. I'm I think not IWW sure. took the lead on the prison. Yeah. Like they were yeah. the biggest yeah. ones behind yeah. the prison yeah. strike. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said because I think that really ties it together so well. When you said that, in effect, there's not a big difference between uh, the sweatshop laborers and the literal prison slave laborers, and that's because there's a certain violence and logic of incarceration and of the border that do the same thing. I mean, yeah. the reason that they're stuck in Vietnam is because they created this border of you are the citizen of this country and you have to do the work that is available in this country yeah. that we say is available for you for, for this big global uh, company. Countries are the real prisons. <laughs> well, it reminds, it reminds me of this, of, of this story I was telling you guys before of this um, essay in Viewpoint Magazine. Uh, I encourage everyone to check it out. I don't know the name off the top of my head, but if you just search Viewpoint Magazine... We'll find it and yeah, put it in the link. We'll put it in the link. It's with El Salvador. But 
there's the I mean, I think a lot of people know about deportations in the US and everything that's going on with that. But one of the biggest industries and a booming industry in El Salvador are special call centers set up for people who have been deported from the US back to El Salvador. Now we're talking about people who maybe lived in the US their whole lives, maybe they moved there when they were two, they lived there for maybe 20, 30 years, and then they get deported back to El Salvador. And they have, of course, they're in all effects American, they, so they have an American English voice, and then they're used in call centers. They, they can be paid less in El Salvador than, of course, anywhere else in the US, and that's why call centers are used throughout the global south. And then they, they work, and people, you know, when they pick up the phone, they say, oh, finally, I'm, I'm with an American. And then, but they're like, that just lays bare exactly what the border does. And this border, and that is the same exact structure as the incarceration and the criminalization in order to extract more labor yeah. for, for less. Yeah, cheap labor, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, a, a good term for it's, well, two things. I mean, a good term for it is a primitive accumulation because it's not just uh, the enclosures in England. It's that same, that transition to capitalism is what's happening throughout the global south for the past 40 years or so or more and uh, a good point to, to take on that is Silvia Federici especially her book uh, Caliban and the Witch um, and she writes I think in the preface or introduction that she was doing all this research into um, you know feudal the transition from feudalism to capitalism and then it's was, it was when she was teaching in Nigeria and seeing the effects of the IMF on African countries where she realized the connection between and there's a, there's a whole part of the book that talks about the colonization and how the transition into capitalism is this act of repression and you have to, yeah, this primitive accumulation that takes part, that is now taking part across the world. And the other part of her, the other key part of her argument is that it's not a coincidence that it's happening to women and that women in particular need to be most thoroughly criminalized and confined because in order to turn them in to subjugate them to a capitalist system where they just reproduce laborers and labor power for the world economy. And that's why you see women in particular being criminalized more harshly because it does serve the system. Um, and like it, it, it's like in the, in the broad workings of primitive accumulation, it is, yeah, it's vital that just read the book. <laughs> yeah. It's vital that you read the book. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 not a coincidence that, that it's women. And it's not a coincidence that... I mean, what, one of the lynchman arguments that Federici uses is uh, the fact of the witch hunt in Europe and how this was a way to terrorize and beat down women and how witch hunts yeah. are now popping up across Africa mm. and uh, Southeast Asia where they didn't happen before. And this is happening at the same time. It's not a coincidence that it's happening at the same time as this transition into capitalism because the fundamental aspect of capitalism is to criminalize women and subjugate them to the mm -hmm. system. So we've been uh, focusing on specifically just this one company, Carcel, who um, I don't think anyone who listens to our podcast could afford any of the clothes, but um, <laughs> don't buy their shit. But donate to the Patreon. Buy yeah, us. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, donate to the Patreon yeah, exactly. instead of giving your uh, yeah, yeah, $500 to us would be, would, would, would be, would be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but taking this onto a more local aspect in Berlin of how this type of, of prison labor is being utilized with much smaller companies that produce much, you know, uh, smaller, smaller knickknacks, I could just simply call them. Yeah, they're not like 
one of them makes like wallets or something like that. Yeah. So right here in Berlin, um, there's also a women's prison and their labor is also being exploited by companies and it's also being pitched as this woke alternative. Oh, yeah. Like, hmm. <laughs> but um, so I want to shout out the um, Gefangenengewerkschaft, that's just the prisoners union. Uh, it's the organization I heard about um, and they're operating throughout Germany, but especially in Berlin. Yeah. And one thing they're doing is they are tracking which companies use the um, labor from the women's prison at Heinekendorf, mm -hmm. which is outside Berlin. And and they they explain, I mean, check out their website. We'll put it in the show description. But they talk about how they're paid way less than the minimum wage in Germany, all mm -hmm. these things. But um, they, I'm just going to read off. Well, actually, Kieran's going to read off oh, the companies. Yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, live from Berlin, it's women's exploitation. Guest starring Express, Gallery Print, Mikeita, Freelu, and musical guest Paper Cuts. Yeah. yeah, and we have to shout out Paper Cuts in particular because yeah. it was on their website. This has been taken down apparently, but uh, it's still available in a in a Tats article about this. Um, they advertise their um, their labor as you know regional labor just works better than poor working conditions in the third world. Yeah, when they're so in the same condition. It's yeah, actually why not? like yeah. bio exploitation. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> very, very German. Oh yeah, hell yeah, we love that. <laughs> yeah, this is so, a whole a whole other topic. Okay, but what is actually interesting is the political reaction to this um, union, because um, as we all know, Germany is very well known for its unions, and this like three, uh, three, 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 <laughs> three. Uh, pra, uh, pra <laughs> Sound like an Irish person, tree. <laughs> Three-party three bargaining uh, system. And um, it's actually like this union is not accepted as a union. They see it as like uh, the DGB, so the Deutsche Gewerkschaftsbund, so the German like unionized organization, union, yeah. union organization, um, actually said, okay, we see this at least as like a group of interest. So like, um, but um, politicians, especially from the CDU, um, and probably also F FDP, I'm, I'm just guessing here, say, okay, we don't accept them as p being part of the collective bargain um, because uh, people in prison have to work. So it's not there like... Um, actually, they take our argument, but they turn it around. They say, actually, as, um, because they... Yeah, they are... F forced to work it's not it's nothing that they have the same rights as workers and they also say because what actually this like collective bargaining uh, is for is also to change like um work organization like the organization of labor and as um this is not a right for people in prison to actually like um have conditions like or like have yeah to ask for fair conditions yeah. or to actually change the way like prison is organized it's not in their right, like that is at least what the like prison prison AGBs, <laughs> uh, prison. Uh, like the rules, like the way it is, like I don't know, I can't speak anymore. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, exactly. So nobody, it's it's a thing that is made made by the justice system, and and yeah. that is actually why you can exploit it that well because. It's not even accepted as as a bargaining um, um, like position, being uh, uh, being in a prison, you know. Yeah. 
Right. I think that's a really good point because not only is it just just good, like like we should support the rights of prisoners, but it is a wedge issue because unions as they exist in Germany don't they're not radical in any way anymore. Yeah. And like the prisoners union, like <laughs> like by like they're showing like you're not a union. That's like that shows it's radical possibility you know because yeah. it is disrupting this system exactly. that doesn't it's work not, for germany yeah. especially because in uh, like uh, the way unions are right now in germany it's all like very much it works it works in the system mm. it works quite well and everyone is happy that they all negotiate together germans and sit yeah. at the round table <laughs> and exactly yeah. that is what what this union is not doing so i'm yeah. calling them a union because i see them as a union <laughs> Yeah. So we've looked at this on a global scale with Carcel and the horrors of global capitalism and women's prison systems and all that. Sneaky Danes. Yeah, the sneaky Danes wanting to, you know, get on colonialism a little bit late. And uh, on a more local scale here in Berlin with how um, prison labor, uh, women's prison labor specifically is being exploited. So the ultimate question is what can we or you as just a lowly resident of berlin if you happen to live here do on march 8th which happens to be international women's day and if you're a resident of berlin is also a holiday so yulia what can the fair people of berlin do on the 8th of march well there's actually um a march um <laughs> a march on march 8th <laughs> um to the women's prison in berlin yeah actually and yeah, you or should associate all... with them, yeah. But yeah, just go to the exactly. Prison, but yeah. And it is at that's at the U-Bahn uh, Magdalena Straße, and that's with the Frauen strike, so the women's strike yeah. Yeah. movement. Is that the one that then there's no uh, no cis men? Yeah, they said world? no cis men. Yeah, exactly. so just um, if you're a cis man, yeah, re- being <laughs> respectful of the wishes of of the people hosting the protest. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Um, no cis men can go. Yeah. Spend your time doing what is a part of cis men culture, which is yeah. recording a podcast about the subreddit you moderate. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, no, but um, actually, yeah, if you're not a cis man, you should yeah. go. Yeah. And also, yeah, like if you are a cis man and want to join, like please be respectful also, of their wishes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on yeah. on that day. Actually, that includes the women's strike and um, yeah. different like organizations are doing different uh, stuff on that day so there's a lot for people that are not allowed to go to this um, yeah. and we'll watch. post all this stuff of yeah. course in the um in the, uh, the 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 description as well and given this is obviously very hard in a modern globalist capitalist system did i say globalist yeah a modern globalist global, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, the frogs the, the gay frogs um in a modern global capitalist system, this is very hard, obviously, to know where your stuff comes from. I, I don't believe necessarily in, in conscious Consumer, consumption. Yeah. Yeah. There's but no ethical consumption. Under there is capitalism. no ethical consumption of the capitalism. As Sonic the Hedgehog says. <laughs> yeah, Sonic the, but <laughs> there, um, you know, you don't have to participate in this. Ob- like companies that um, brag about this type of stuff is is something that you also don't need to participate in. So, um, yeah, just a tip. Just yeah. just a little tip. So International Women's Day, or as we in Germany like to refer to it, Frauenkampftag. So actually, this emphasizes the like fight. Um, that is actually the reason why this day exists. Um, well, it well it is a day that is more about like fighting for equality for women um, and fighting for the um, right to vote, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, as this is now the situation that we are allowed to allow, <laughs> allowed to vote. Last time I checked. Um, this is also a day um, to, yeah, actually get 
involved, get politically involved with like the issues that are affecting women all over the world. Not only here in Germany, especially because this is an argument that people make. Oh, but you can vote, you can do everything in Germany. Well, don't only focus on this. I mean, there is still a lot to do in Germany, but there's also a lot to do like internationally, as we have seen today. So get involved. <laughs>